The Walk the Mile podcast is produced on Gadigal land. I acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which Skeg Starlinghurst stands, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, and pay my respects to Elders past and present. May our reconciliation be an ongoing process of love and compassion. Hello everyone, I'm Gary Lee Lindsay, school chaplain at Skeggs Darlinghurst, and you're listening to Walk the Mile, a podcast that opens up conversations that we need to have. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Walk the Mile. This is a very special episode in that I'm doing this in isolation at the moment because I contracted COVID almost a week ago and my guest is also doing it in isolation because she (laughs) contracted COVID on the same day. In fact, there was quite a few of us who went down on that day and we've been in isolation. Sorry if I'm sounding a bit congested and a bit rough, but uh, that's the horrible COVID thing. But today my guest is Alison Gowan, who is the Head of Sport at Skeggs Darlinghurst. How are you, Ali? Yeah, good afternoon, Gary. I'm um, probably very similar to you. Um, Normally I'd say, yeah, I'm well, but I'm clearly not. (laughs) A little bit uh, congested and fluey with uh, COVID symptoms at the moment. Yeah, how's it? how did it hit you? When when did you, were you at school when it happened? Yeah, look, mon- last Monday I was feeling a bit off. I got to school and I was sort of tired. And then as the day progressed, I felt pretty, uh, sort of went downhill a bit. And then I did a rat. I'd done a rat the night before and done a rat that morning and um, nothing came back. And as the day wore on, I went, mm, I'm really not sure about this. I'm not feeling fabulous. I think I'll go home and get a PCR, and which is what I did and um yeah sure enough got the results at through at midnight on Monday night oh my gosh it's no good yeah my story is pretty much the same at school felt fine in the morning caught the train in as usual walked to school and uh around 10 o'clock I was at my stand-up desk and I felt oh can't stand up much longer I think I might need to sit down started filling out some wedding forms next thing I knew I woke up 90 minutes later with a big line across the wedding form, <laughs> slobber, slobber all over it. I did. I must say I did throw that wedding form out in a plastic bag <laughs> and the pen. <laughs> uh, yeah, took a test, went straight home. Yeah, that tiredness is incredible, isn't it? Just that tiredness. Yeah, it's like a fatigue. And I had a sore throat um, by Monday afternoon as well. And then by Tuesday, I'm just feeling, okay, this is just a mild dose. It's not too bad, yeah. uh, but still very sleepy. And I, I sort of carried on. I had a lot of schoolwork to do coming up to the end of term. So there was coaches to pay and a lot right. of things that needed tidying up. So I sort of would work, but then I'd work for an hour or two and then get really tired and just have to sleep. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I was doing the same thing the next day, tried to... Um, well, I had this wedding on last Thursday that I had to organise 
someone else for and all the paperwork and then there's another wedding next week that I'm doing which had to fix up and I remember thinking I've just got to get all this done but yeah it took ages because just very very difficult and I'm sure a lot of people who are listening can understand those people who've um, contracted it before and it is very important to keep as safe as possible and how are you how are you doing now feel like the days have been okay you're improving yeah I had two rough days probably Thursday and Friday I was really coughing and my nose was running a lot I'm still quite congested mm. and really coughing and fluy flu-like symptoms and then the last day I've had a bit more energy and hopefully on the the back end of it now and coming out of it although I am still testing positive so theoretically due out of isolation tomorrow afternoon but I'm not convinced yeah yeah I'm the same tomorrow afternoon but I'm still testing positive as well Mm. how has COVID affected school sport I mean obviously it's the obvious with the lockdowns and a lot of that didn't happen and of course it affected sport club sport a whole range of things what are other ways in which COVID has affected school sport things like you know have you seen a uh, a drop in kids getting back into sport um I actually think People have missed sport and have really appreciated what they've missed during COVID. We certainly had big numbers for sport um, at the start of this year. I think everybody came back with great anticipation that things would go back to normal. Um, So in terms of drop-off, no, but I think um, it hasn't been normal. Um, It's very noticeable, firstly, that kids have missed out on a lot of activity and skill development and fitness. Uh, Everybody, even just at the back end of last year, when we were back at school and we started to do some training sessions again, everybody was very unfit. Um, It was slowly getting back into it. And I think that sort of picked up in term one as well, that we thought we could just launch back into normal training sessions we couldn't we had to build up the conditioning and strength and um of everything of the girls again uh particularly the swimming lessons too primary kids we noticed with the primary carnival and getting the girls ready for that at the start of the year the younger ones in particular really couldn't swim very well missed out on all i guess six months of lessons and over summer and um that development was lacking as well so yeah the development I haven't really thought about that and I guess you know a lot of people when we're in lockdown trying to do exercise at home and uh you know whatever they could to keep themselves fit but they're it's not the same as being out there training playing games is that what you're saying yeah it's not at that same game level intensity so I think a lot of people we looked at different activities of walking and running and things like that that you could do but it's not the same as being on a touch football field playing at intensity using pushing yourself to the limit um, and using muscles that you just don't use ordinarily. yeah it makes a lot of sense doesn't it makes a lot of sense and the weather this weather (laughs) (laughs) has been a shocker hasn't it uh, look, and like I said, if we thought term one would be just going back to 
like it used to be, we were sorely mistaken between COVID with people out, coaches out, students out yeah. uh, with COVID and having to isolate. So we were rolling through struggling for coaches, yeah. struggling to fill teams at times. Uh, and then we just got hit for six again with the weather. Um, I felt like the term one, it's organised things, cancel things, organise things again, cancel things. The weather has just played havoc um, and we're very limited with space so it's hard to we can't really bring things indoors very readily I mean some sports like indoor hockey and water polo and uh, basketball they yeah. they got to play a fair bit but sports like touch tennis softball they were just decimated yeah the cross country got caught off a couple we've, of times was it yeah we've we've got the primary cross country in last week which was fabulous on the second go uh we're still planning for the third attempt at the secondary carnival which will be back in uh, term two uh third time lucky hopefully i'm running running out of opportunities to trial for the ixa team so yeah. uh, we have to have something yeah do you get together with i mean i know you get together with other heads of sport around the other schools uh with ipsha and ixa do you talk about these things? How can you make it, like, you know, putting your heads together, how can you make it workable under these sorts of conditions for sport to go ahead? Because sport is such an important part of schooling, don't you think? Uh, absolutely. And just part of everyday health is uh, so important. Uh, during lockdown, we did have a very um, active group with the heads of sport from other schools and particularly in the eastern suburbs. And we would meet weekly online and talk about, well, what are you trialling at your school? What can we do? Can we do anything? And sometimes we just have to say, look, our hands are tied. We can't. Yeah. Um, and then um, that's, that's continued on this year. And um, more so when we cancel things, well, do we still run semis and finals? Is it more important to offer other rounds of sport so everybody plays, which yeah. is, I guess, at the end of the day, we want as many students playing um, and participating and staying active as possible, uh, which really overrules everything. I guess one of the difficulties at Skeggs, and which has always been being a, a city school, and we don't have a lot of grounds, uh, but we do go out to the other grounds and train and play games and so on for PE and sport. And that seems to work quite well. That's done very, very well. What are some of the challenges that come with that apart from not just having the grounds immediately? In, and I would say ordinarily it does work really well that we do have a lot of facilities on our doorstep, which is fantastic. Um, but having access to those facilities has got harder and harder in recent years. I think student numbers in a lot of the local schools have increased. Everybody's looking for more space. Uh, certain fields get turned over with be it artificial surfaces or different uses. Um, in Centennial Parklands has um, changed their policies with booking fields before school. Um, obviously we, we work around wherever we can get our hands on 
facilities. Mm. And then with all the rain too, more and more people, more and more schools and other, not just schools, it's community groups as well, are all looking to book additional facilities just to try and get activities up and running. So that competition's for the limited resources, it's got harder and harder yeah, right. in recent years. Um, and yeah. for us too, we've got the added challenge, obviously we're busing our girls out all the time. And you, when you use the bus system as heavily as we do, that doesn't always run smoothly either. No. <laughs> so the buses don't turn up when they're supposed to or buses break down. Yeah. Um, I had a regular, there was a bus two weeks in a row, a swimming bus, on a Monday morning, broke down on the same mm-hmm. bus. Um, we keep getting the calls. Are they all going to be late to school? So you get a lot of little things out of your control. Even yeah. the cross country carnival for the primary students last week, um, the bus went to the wrong venue, um, <laughs> so they were late in starting. Uh, so yeah, do they have to run from the other venue to the right venue? <laughs> <laughs> no, we brought them. We brought them back. We just had to start later. But um, yeah, there's a lot of little things that get thrown up that you can't plan for, and no. you just have to run with and adjust and be flexible yeah. at the time. The extra unpredictables. Yeah, I've sort of learnt to. You can't control everything as much as you like, and it's all yeah. the planning in the world, you can't can't control everything. Yeah. And then you just have to run with it and make do and change change plan and be flexible. Yeah. But on the other hand, you know, we've had a lot of great sporting achievements. I know um, in terms of snow sports, in terms of a whole range of things, you know, touch football, all sorts of, maybe in all of the areas of the games, Tildesley, whole range of areas. Uh, and there's also been a lot of students that I've known in my time there um, who have been very accomplished in in their sporting areas in the Olympics, in uh, you know first class rugby and first class netball and a whole range of areas. How do you uh, support those individuals? How do you continue to support those individuals who do uh, so well in sport outside of school? Yeah, look, uh, th- those athletes are few and far between, I guess, when they land land at school and, uh, and recognising that a lot of what they do happens outside of the school environment. Um, you, know, you don't make an Olympic athlete by training one or two afternoons or mornings a week. Um, so it's understanding what they're going through. We've obviously got Sienna Green in the Australian water polo yeah. team at the moment. Yeah. Um, and it's been flexible. So if she can't make school training because she's got her higher level club commitments, then that's okay because um, we know she's juggling a lot of things. Um, you know, she's got a heavy training schedule. Sometimes um, we, we juggle assessments um, if they need to get put back. We've had um, students in the past who've been away for tournaments when they've had exams on. It's... it's um, I guess to each of those athletes probably has a bond with a particular teacher who generally the coordinator of their sport, it might be their PDHPE teacher. Um, and, and they'll meet with those staff members and map out a bit of a schedule. Our 
Director of Studies, Andrew Gallagher, is very good in being flexible to support them with their studies too if they need anything or if they've got to leave school early or arrive a bit later if they've got additional training sessions. Um, every, every student's very different too. Uh, when we had Marina Carrier, our Olympic pentathlete, when she was in year 11 and 12, she'd go out at lunchtimes and do a swimming session at Cook and mm. Phillip. Um, and then I'm, I'm thinking... She tells the story of being able to lay down and rest on in her English classes and um, <laughs> things that are um, a little bit left of field, but what works for them. Uh, and I think that's no two athletes are the same. And then, yeah, look, I love keeping in touch with some of those students too once they've left school and sort of following their, their path, how they're going. Um, just recently we've had Laura Roderick at the Australian Athletics Championships and she's just qualified to go to the World Junior wow. Championship. So it's nice to see them and post-school post continuing their yeah. sport at a high level. Elizabeth Burrell in the pole vault too at an open. Wow. She's competing at an open level too. So all it's it's lovely to sort of follow them at a distance as well and yeah every now and touch base every now and then yeah so school can be quite a supportive environment for whatever their whatever their program is i guess uh, even if we might not be providing the the uh the training or whatever in particular but it can still provide that support so that things can happen yeah and i think it's just helping them juggle their studies their training and and whatever other needs that they've got it, it, it's just making it all work for them in one way or another yeah that's great that's great if you had your dream of where you wanted to take sport for skeggs darlinghurst in the next five years <laughs> even 10 years i'll give you 10 years <laughs> <laughs> i might be retired by then <laughs> Okay, make it five then. What would you What would you like to see happen? Very sadly, we had the funeral for um, Sue Phillips, who was very much involved for over thirty years, involved in the PDHP department at Skeggs, uh, who passed away a few weeks ago. And uh, one of the things that was raised is how she was able to increase the number of. Uh, kids being involved in sport increase the number of sports and I'm sure that's you know always on your platform as well isn't it to to be as creative and to encourage kids to be involved as much as possible what are some other things that you might like to see happen with sport at Skeggs yeah look at the ultimate goal for me is to see I guess every student having an appreciation of physical activity, however form that may take. And it doesn't have to be competitive team sport. It might be more passive, going to the, a member of their local gym um, and being involved in some way. And then when they walk out the door, that they carry that love of activity and exercise for the rest of their lives in some shape or form. It might be at a social tennis team, a social netball team with their friends, or when they go on to university, joining all the university sports. Um, it's not necessarily trying to push on and be a rep player. I, mm. The bulk of our students um, are just 
you know, enjoy playing sport for the sake of sport. Those elite girls are very few and far between. Um, and it's encouraging those healthy lifestyles that they'll take for the rest of their lives. Um, and from a school perspective, I guess we recognise that we can't offer every single sport. Our resources only stretch so far. Um, but I've always tried to support girls, be it we've got some keen sailors at the moment, if they're equestrian riders, if they sport their fences, if they're sports that sit just outside of the school program, um, that we can still encourage them and recognise those students as well. Um, but taking it further, I guess, then it's um, that students will join up for the sports, but commit to them too. Um, it's very easy, I guess, for students to say, yeah, yeah, I'll sign up for touch football, but then uh, I can't train this week. I've uh, got a doctor's appointment. Uh, I guess it's shifting that culture then of not just participation, because we do have very high levels of participation at Skeggs. And I think that culture is really terrific, but it's taking it to the next level and having that commitment. So, you know, when we turn up on a Saturday, we have every student there participating in the team, um, barring illness or injury. Um, so it's just taking it to that next level, which I think is something the boys' schools do very well. Yeah, right. And it's a, it's a, I guess that's an important lesson to learn beyond sport, isn't it? That, that um, I know, it's, sorry, you go. Yeah, I was just going to say, it's making choices with your activities that you can't sign up for so many things if you're going to do Duke of Ed, if you're going to be in the band, if you're going to try school production, like everything um, involves planning your time carefully and making sacrifices at times that yeah. um, um, if you are going to sign up for a, a team sport that maybe, you know, the Duke of Ed hike has to take place in the holidays or you don't sign up during a term where you're going to take the lead in the school production um, yeah. or whatever it may be yeah. um, and making choices as we do as adults too, that we can't take on everything. We have work commitments. We can't choose to do a whole lot of other things. Um, that's just, yeah, moving into adulthood and choices you have to face every day. Yeah. I think that's a, it's a good point because I, as I said, outside of sport that works as well, because there's a lot of things that we do or that are put before us that are voluntary, mm. uh, whether it be helping out at home, <laughs> uh, whether it be community service or whatever. And I think sometimes it's easy to take, to not take the uh, voluntary things as seriously as those things that we might be paid for or rewarded for or whatever it might be. I remember when I used to run the, the cafe in King's Cross and I was running about 40, 50 volunteers and uh, every week I would get calls just saying, I sort of, you know, can't come in tonight. And I would often just cover those shifts, which would be okay to a certain point. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it was very easy for people to, to not keep their commitment to those things. Yeah, I think people sort of need to take ownership at times for their actions and, um, you know, just just plan ahead, I think. And if, if you know, you can't commit to everything, well, maybe it's okay to say no for a term to say, you know, I can't commit at this time. Um, yeah. 
until I'm in a position to to fully commit. Yeah, it's and and often you know as you said, people do have fair and valid excuses. I'm not saying that you know you should just run yourself to the ground and try and do everything, but yeah, it's important to consider that commitment before you take something on, isn't it? To, yeah. to stop and think. You know, I've got all these other things on. Am I willing to give my energy to this, or am I going to? Know, is it going to be too difficult for me and for those who are trying to run these activities? Yeah, and understanding too that life does take over and family events do get in the way and there's always yeah. going to be very valid excuses. But Yeah, that's um, yeah. no, a good point. It's a good thing to think about, good thing to consider. I've been watching the US Masters while I've been in isolation. Do you think um, golf is a, <laughs> is a possibility? Um, I'd be more than happy to be the, <laughs> the coach. <laughs> you can get me if you can pay my green fees. <laughs> I, uh, I'm actually watching the uh, women's NRL final at the moment in the back. All oh, right. Um, we do have a good golfer at the school. Um, we we support golf to the that students can enter in the CIS pathway. So okay. um, if there are any budding golfers out there, I can can support them and. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Lee Lindsay might be the team manager. That's right, I'll be the team manager. <laughs> Anyone wants to invite me onto as a as a member onto their course. <laughs> I, used happy. To, I actually used to be the uh, golf convener for the New South Wales Combined Independent Schools. Oh, really? In a previous life, as my role as um, the director of sport of ICSA. Um, and um, my very, I knew nothing about golf. My very really? first tournament, I turned up at Gordon Golf Club with 120 boys on my own and about five girls. And I was a little bit overawed initially. I thought, oh, how am I going to manage this? Um, but I've got to say, they were amazing. I got there at seven in the morning. There were about 50 boys in dead silence on the putting green practicing. Wow. Um, never seen anything like it before. Wow. They're all immaculately groomed and impeccable manners. And um, yeah. it, it was actually a fabulous sport to convene. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. And it's good talking to you too, Ali. Thanks for your time today. Uh, thank you. I've, <laughs> I've got lots of time on my hands. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We're, I was saying to Ali, we, um, I was thinking of doing a, a series of Pods in isolation because at the moment there was at least five of us who all contracted COVID around the same time. And so I was hoping to do a series anyway. Ellie's been the only taker so far. <laughs> but great to talk to you. No, thank you, Gary. And I uh, hope you're feeling well and much better soon. And uh, yeah, you too. See, see you on the other side. See you on the other side. Hopefully in term three we'll be We'll be back. Hopefully, we won't be the only two staff members there. Term two. Uh, term two. That's it. <laughs> you get, you've got ahead of yourself. <laughs> term two. That's right. Good on oh. you. Well, thanks, Ellie. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Good to have your company as usual. Always enjoy your feedback. Please let me know if you've got any questions for me or for Ellie. And uh, hope to see you soon. Take care. Bye.